0: This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on the Twitters.
1: This is Mike at I am Mike White on Twitter.
0: And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Just so you guys know, since this episode is very heavy on the spoilers, I'm going to play this sound whenever we go into spoiler territory, so that you don't have to worry about going through the timestamps. Like I just, like I'm about to say. Um, so yeah, just listen for this, and then if it's if we're talking about a movie that you haven't seen yet, check the show notes to skip ahead. So thank you and enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it a genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. Uh, You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com and find the corresponding blog at obsessiveviewer.com. How's it going, guys? How you doing? It's Uh, so great. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Um, I have a few announcements before we get started with this week's topic. First of all, uh, Loudlike, who gave us our theme song, uh, they just released a new EP. Um, it's on iTunes. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, I don't have the title of it readily available, but um, the
1: shape we were in when we arrived, where we no longer are.
0: That is ridiculous. There we go. <laughs>
1: Love you guys so much. But wow,
0: yeah, it's 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 a head scratcher one. But <laughs> I'm excited to check it out. I'll oh, ask them where they got it. Nice, nice. Um, and then a, a bunch of other announcements. First of all. Um, I did a guest appearance on our friends at the nerds are looking for podcast. Um, it should be up by the time I post this. I'll put the links in the show notes, but I got to talk about agency shield and, uh, went through my revised top 10 list, uh, with them. And then also uh, next week I will be on the Cinema Rolls podcast. Uh, it's these two guys in Michigan and I think Boston now. Uh, they they get together each week and they talk about movies and stuff. And I'm going to be a guest on it. And I'm really excited about it because they're really cool guys. Mm, Cinema um, Rolls. <laughs> their, their grading scale is actually like uh, – like like a frosted frosted roll or a uh. regular roll and plain roll. It's it's really <laughs> clever. It. I, I like it a lot. Love it. Um, and then finally, also our friends at Intermission Podcast—they had their first like celebrity guest uh, interview that uh, I just listened to, and I'm I'm super psyched for him. It's Lily from uh, TBS's King of the Nerds pod or TV show. Uh, so check that out. I'll put links to all this in the show notes and all that stuff. But mm, Intermission. Th- <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but. Today we're talking about notable movie deaths.
1: Yeah, this is sweet. Bum, yeah, bum, bum. we figure it's you know the the uh, cold months of January. Nothing, nothing better than talking about a little death,
0: right? So Jar Jar Binks brought about the death of a franchise. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's dead. It sure is dead.
0: Yeah, yeah. the death of people's imaginations. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. I can't. Uh, I can't. I just wanted to get a Star Wars joking. Yeah, the Gungans are a noble yeah. people. <laughs> they're they're some kind of people. Um, yeah, but no, we're talking about notable movie deaths, which obviously this is a very spoiler-rific episode, so we're going to try our best to to gradually go into the spoilers. So each so I mention this all the time, but check the show notes for timestamps if you want to navigate past the spoilers, but we'll we'll give you um a uh, a warning ahead of time for each individual movie that we will spoil. Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. Ah, oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what we should call it. This is our Bruce Willis is dead the whole time moment. No, oh, that's like twists that were that were pretty clever, but then the director never uh, rose past it. That's the episode that we'll do that for. Wow. Yeah. Well, actually, you know. It's a lengthy title. It is. It is. Anyways. Got to get that SEO traffic. Um Okay, so who wants to go first? <laughs> go ahead, man. I. Do you want to go first, Matt? Uh, sure. Do it. Okay. Um, I'm I'm really excited to talk about this one. Um, okay. Spoiler warning, everyone. Uh, Danny Boyle's 2007 movie Sunshine. I'm about to spoil it, so uh, go ahead and switch to a different time in the episode or whatever. But I wholly, wholly recommend this movie because it's one of my favorite movies. So definitely watch it. Um. Having said that in 2007 uh Danny Boyle uh released Sunshine which was not that well not that not that I don't know if it was critically well received but it did not have a have a long run um it was just ignored it was it was totally ignored and mm-hmm. so so undeservedly so because it's like it's one of my favorite movies um and even with kind of a kind of a polarizing third act it I, it still resonates with me and i i still love it um and what i love about it first of all just as a brief review of the of the movie uh just the character building in it. it's a group of astronauts on a ship headed toward the sun to push a bomb into the sun to kind of reignite it uh in no certain terms uh, because it's fading and, and all that, and then they have the standard sci-fi trope of they find this find a mysterious signal and they have to go divert their mission, all that stuff. But what is so great about it is that it has such an eclectic uh, group at its core, and the movie builds them so so well in the first the first five or ten minutes. Every line of dialogue just speaks something about each character. You get a very fine introduction, and from there it's just it's just amazing. Um, but the notable deaths. What <laughs> what this what this movie with, with planning this episode we were like okay well we'll do this movie and this person's death. This person in this in this movie with this person's death or whatever. And then for my notes I have sunshine f***ing everyone. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> Take because your pick. yeah, because everyone like it, literally everyone dies in this movie. And it's a funny anecdote that well,
1: well but if we're yeah. doing spoilers
0: not everyone <laughs> in terms of the human race exactly Yo, yeah yeah everyone on the ship dies yeah. <laughs> um and it's funny because apparently like 20th century fox released it and they in in the lead up to it on their official website they had like they had like a, a section of the website this to, to, um dedicated to each character's death wow and it pissed off a lot of people because they're like oh okay now i know that this person dies this person dies and it's literally everyone on the crew but what i love about it is each person gets kind of their own their own death and their own moment of like glory Mm -hmm. like um big one is at the end where he pushes the bomb into the sun uh and they have that kind of on the nose but still just visually beautiful um science versus god or science versus creation kind of kind of moment where he's he's essentially touching the surface of the sun um and then like everyone else just has their own moment one of my favorite parts of any movie of any science fiction movie is is the captain of the ship canada his his death scene is so great because it's it's like it's such a noble thing where he he and kappa played by killian murphy they're on the front they're on like the shield of the ship that after, not to go into too many specifics about the, the details of the plot, but they're fixing some panels and they find out that they can't do it. So Kappa goes back to the ship and Kaneda stays on the ship and then he just burns up and it's just this intense moment that's all just punctuated by f***ing <laughs> John Murphy's amazing score. <laughs> like, it's it's so incredible. But I, lo- I love this movie. You guys talk. We could just <laughs> do a whole episode about Sunshine Oh my right God, now. do you want to? <laughs> Hashtag commentary track. And <laughs> uh,
2: it's... It's poignant that you bring up Kaneda because mm-hmm. he's the first one to die. Yeah, yep. And that really sets the tone for the rest of the movie. Things don't really get better from there. No, <laughs> with the exception of, of course, they save all humankind. That's kind of a that, that's, yeah. that's, that's kind of nice. Yeah, but yeah. for the characters, <laughs> they kind of die. But yeah, that's that that is arguably the most notable, notable death. Yeah, totally. maybe. Yeah, because it kind of sets a tone. Yeah, obviously, Kappa saving all humankind right kind of a big deal right
0: Anyways, he touches the sun but whatever yeah I mean, you know he's kind of like god but whatever don't get into it uh mike what did you think of sunshine
1: i loved sunshine I, it was yes. one of those ones c- clearly listeners you can tell matt likes it uh and oh, when yeah. he likes a movie he lets you know that he likes it absolutely and when you ask if there's a movie that he would recommend he takes one of the ones that he likes and shoves it down your throat.
0: <laughs> oh, I have a funny story about that, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, shoving things down my throat? No, no. Well, I have another story about that, but it's not so much funny. <laughs> um. uh,
1: anyway, so he recommended this movie when we were roommates, and I saw it a couple years later, and I and I just loved it. It was. Uh, I, I hate how um, underappreciated it was. Just kind of like we were talking about. Who described it to me as like Armageddon, but good? <laughs> Who said that? It wasn't me. me. I don't know. It's Armageddon, but good. Yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yeah, It's a phenomenal movie. Yeah. It was actually like a couple years after we were roommates. Because I remember because I blind bought it because the trailer was so good. And I really liked Danny Boyle and, and Alex Garland. Yeah, who wrote I guess it.
1: if it was 07.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I remember it was funny because I bought it and then I bought it on DVD and then I was so excited about it. I think I bought it for Tiny for like his birthday or something. Mm-hmm. And then I bought it on Blu-ray because I was like, I need to watch this on Blu-ray because I just got a PS3. Mm-hmm. And then and then I think I, I had to buy it again on Blu-ray or I had it uh, the something about there was a it was dis. Uh, um, recalled so i had to order a new one from the manufacturer so i I have like that yeah Yeah. i have like several copies of this movie (laughs) between dvd and blu-ray that i've purchased um i don't know if we've
2: ever mentioned this on the podcast but there was one time where you and i set up our laptops and we each played the dvd on our laptops and
0: synced them up to perfect we did do that (laughs) oh my god and we were just talking about how me and mike did that that from me oh really
1: (laughs) Well, and, and Matt.
0: Oh, my God. Did you, do that with, you did that with friends, right? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely forgot that we did that because it's like, <laughs> wow, that's the that's the thing that binds us all together, the three of us. Uh, <laughs> now me and Mike have to do it. To complete, right, right. Complete we the do. triangle. Wait, why am I not being invited to your viewing party, bro? Because you've already done it with each of us individually. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. Oh. And then for the
1: last one, the three of us <laughs> will all do one.
0: Yes. Yeah. And we'll record anyway. Life goals, um, yes. Yeah, <laughs> really swinging for the fences there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, sunshine is fantastic, and I mean the score is one of my favorite scores ever. Really. Um, yeah. So Mike, what's your first movie? <laughs> uh, my first
1: movie. It's, it's kind of weird. I'm I'm gonna go. I think chronologically, and I bring this movie up because, um, it's the first movie. Way that dealt with death that I ever saw, or at least remember seeing. Mm. Um, I I considered going way back to E.T., but E.T. doesn't really die in the end, he comes back to life, so that didn't really count. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember really getting into the movie Home Alone, and so, like, being into the Macaulay Culkin thing, and when My Girl came out in 1991, I was really oh, yeah. excited to see it. Um... And so my mom, you know, kind of early spoiler alert, so it was 91, came out in November, so I was five. Um, and my mom rented it for us. We, we rented a lot of movies, and that was kind of our Friday night thing. But I remember her sitting me down and kind of warning me, now the little boy in this movie dies at the end. Are, are, do you think you'll be able to handle that? Uh, turns out I wasn't able to handle that. <laughs> the movie... Uh, I don't think is very well received either, or, or at least remembered the way I think it should be. Um, it's, it's pretty freaking cute and pretty well done. Uh, impressive cast, Dan Aykroyd, who everybody loves, Jamie Lee Curtis, who I'm in love with, uh, Anna <laughs> Chlumsky, who was kind of out of the limelight for several years, but is, is making her way back. Um, so anyway, Anna Chlumsky is, is the titular girl, uh, who is the daughter of Dan Aykroyd, who is a uh, a funeral home director, and so she kind of lives at the funeral home. Uh, and Anna Chlumsky's character Veda, which is just perfect, uh, meets Macaulay Culkin, who plays Thomas, uh, and they it's kind of like first love, young love, um, and and so they they meet cute, I guess you could say, <laughs> um, and kind of it's a little too short to be coming of age. Um and then so uh Macaulay Culkin's character Thomas, they, they kinda of foreshadow early on that he's allergic to bees and um they're they're doing a funeral toward the end. Uh and, and Thomas dies. And so uh this girl Veda is dealing with the death of her mother um and dealing just with, with death in general because she lives around it and then this her her first love, this boy, Thomas dies. And it's just a very Um, for, for a family kind of movie, it's rated PG 13. It's a, it's a pretty powerful movie. And, and it's, um, I love that it's a little deeper than a lot of family movies that came out. It's, uh, it's, you know, everybody remembers Macaulay Culkin for Home Alone, but his performance in My Girl is, is just pretty spot on. Um, it's a pretty powerful movie, and, and I remember it affecting me greatly. You know, I I said that my mom sat me down to prepare me. Uh turns out I was not prepared, and I bawled like a baby.
2: <laughs> Did you guys remember this movie?
0: Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It had a um, big impact
2: on me as a kid. Yeah?
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. Really quick, is is it at the end of the movie that he dies, or is it halfway through? I thought it was, like, halfway through. Yeah. Uh,
1: it's pretty much at the end, yeah.
0: Huh, is it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Maybe the attack is halfway through, but he doesn't
2: die until...
0: Yeah, I just – I I have it seared in my mind. I remember when she finds out and she's like – like she's sitting on her bed crying and stuff and I was like, oh, I feel sad now. <laughs> um, but, yeah. I don't know. Tiny, how do you feel about My Girl? Uh, That's just a funny sentence.
2: It is because I'm so
0: alone. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> yeah, that movie had a huge impact on me as a kid. I, I watched it several times and uh, I think – it resonates because you know we've all kind of had a first little crush mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know we've all gone through the the ultimate life lesson of learning about death <clears throat> and of course this girl has to deal with learn learn about what death is and how to deal with it by going through like two of the worst things possible she loses her mother and she mm-hmm. loses her best friend or her, or her first love if you will, and mm-hmm. she loses it very close she loses them very close together and she loses them very young. Mm-hmm. yeah and that's you don't see that a lot and yep. it happens to people regularly but it's it's one of those things that not a lot of people have had that level of experience with death that young and that's what's unique about it um and yeah it, it really stuck with me i think i at the time i was kind of developing my the first time i saw it not i was it wasn't when i was four years old in 1991 um but it was later on and i think i was kind of developing my first crush on my first and i was like oh my god if she died oh
0: oh." (laughs) tiny likes girls Um, (laughs) i don't know why grow up matt i I, i'm never going to what about you matt um yeah this movie was really i remember it being one of those movies that we watched all the time because it was on like hbo or something Oh, that's a um, terrible movie to watch all the time. I know, right? So I remember seeing like bits – like I saw it once all the way through and then I saw bits and pieces. It might, and we might have had the VHS. I'm not sure. But I I really – the parts where it's like her growing up and everything, It like I really liked those parts. And then just, like, I don't remember the death really affecting me that much. Like, I don't remember bawling my eyes out. But I remember just feeling, like, intense sadness. And it might be one of the first movies where um, it elicited an emotional reaction to me. Like, that and that movie Radio Flyer uh, were both movies oh, that were... Radio Flyer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I need to say that again. But anyway, so, yeah, it was just... It was really, really strong with me, that, that whole dynamic. And I also thought it was really cool that she lived in a uh, funeral home, uh, which... Mike, how does your wife feel about this movie? Having worked in a funeral home,
1: um, you know that's a good question. I I don't know. Oh, okay. We haven't
0: talked about it. Oh, interesting. How do you guys feel about My Girl Two?
1: I only seen it once, and I remember just thinking it was pointless.
0: Yeah. Not, not sure I've ever seen it. Yeah, I've, I've I remember seeing it a couple times as a kid, and just not it not affecting me nearly as much as this movie did.
1: Right. It was almost like they just wanted to give her a happy ending, which is oh necessary.
0: Yeah. I think I remember thinking she has boobs now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Ooh, tiny waist. Little... Anyway. Um... Ooh, he likes
1: her boobs. <laughs> yeah. But,
0: but yeah, I, and I, one of the things that I really liked about My Girl was the uh, – it may have been one of the first movies that I saw that kind of was like a period movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that by that she gets her period uh, in the boy. I just remember that she gets her period for the first poor time. poor choice of words. I didn't mean it like that. I <laughs> it was it because I really it was one of the first menstruation movies that I'd ever seen. <laughs> was, no, but it was, no that, but as a as a movie set in like the sixties, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, just it was it was cool to see that because I mean you know I I I lived in the nineties, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a really good pick, good pick. I like that. Yeah. Thanks, yeah
2: um tiny my first one is about the movie scarface okay <laughs> <Come on. laughs> now uh this movie is i would almost i, I would almost say inexplicably popular <laughs> but i think it's explicably popular um the movie just it it really speaks to a certain group of people who sort of started with nothing and rose to the height of success. If you will, Mm -hmm. um, it kind of became part of popular culture in like the late nineties, early two thousands when all these, as as far as I know, anyways, all these famous rappers and like moguls were essentially saying that it was, it inspired, inspired them a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's similar to how they rose to fame and fortune and success. Um, so that's how it kind of became more popular in today's culture. I think back in the '80s, it you know it kind of it raised some eyebrows because of the violence and mm-hmm. uh, because Al Pacino does a ridiculous accent throughout it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I I will stop imitating it, but um, <laughs> the the movie really is very flawed. It's uh. It's it's hugely popular. Most people have seen it. It's become part of pop culture across multiple decades, um, but it's a really flawed movie. It's way too long. and A third of it needs to be cut out. Um, Al Pacino's acting is over the top, and the accent he uses is ridiculous. Um, a lot of the acting is kind of over the top. Some of it's good, but um, and the movie's too long. It's it kind of glorifies death. It, it glorifies young death, and it glorifies crime. Um, and it's just not really a, that great of a movie. It's pretty boring. <laughs> <And> the, the, <laughs> wow. The, the first like 30 minutes are pretty exciting. And the last 15 are pretty exciting, but that all that in between is just really drags a lot. And it's boring. Um, hmm. but most people will know Scarface because of the ending where there mm-hmm. is a notable death. Um, the movie's really a character study of Tony Montana. He's this immigrant who, uh, well, not he's an illegal immigrant, but he was a criminal in Cuba, and he was uh, this thing that actually happened back in nineteen, I think, eighty-three, maybe, or maybe eighty-one, or something. Um, Castro basically just opened all of the prisons and put them on boats and shipped them to Miami, and uh, they had to keep them in these camps essentially and it was it it was a whole big thing i you know i wasn't around for it. i don't know a whole lot about it but um this fictional character uh was part of that and he essentially gets into the cocaine business and becomes the largest cocaine dealer in miami and one of the largest cocaine dealers in the country and so he does this through the uh drug cartels through south america and he uh Gets into bad blood with them and they send people to kill him. So the climax, uh, obviously, spoiler alert, um, <laughs> the climax is essentially this raid of 20, 30, 40 cartel guys raiding Tony Montana's house. And it's just a barrage of bullets and blood and explosions. Um, and it, it ends, there's the famous line uh, say hello to my little friend, <laughs> where he uses the grenade launcher on the bottom of his M16. Uh, Stuff like that. And it ends with Tony Montana standing on this balcony. And he's essentially saying to all these guys, come and get me. And he's hopped up on so much cocaine that he's being shot multiple times. And eventually this guy slowly creeps up behind him, puts a shotgun to his back, and shoots him. And he falls off the balcony into a pool, a fountain that was on the first floor. Uh, And the water turns red. And um, it's very... It's about as climactic as it gets, and then it slowly Mm. fades away. It slowly pans out and fades to black. Um, It's that is a really awesome ending, (laughs) (laughs) and it's a really cool death. I mean, talk about going out in a blaze of glory! Like when you think blaze of glory, think of this. Like this is what that is. Um, Of course, it's pretty stupid reason, really. (laughs) Uh, That's that's what's funny about it. Mm. Um, And I forget what is the in the pool. It says. The world is yours. The world is yours, mm-hmm. right? Which is, you know, there's some, there's some allegory in there. So who knows? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys it think? Of, so excited about. I know.
0: I'm, I'm not a big fan of the movie. I've, yeah, I'm not either. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it since I was in high school, and I think at that point I was like, Master P isn't in this movie, so I don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> Master P. But it, um, <laughs> it made like 65 million worldwide oh, total. So it didn't do too bad. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it actually won the opening weekend. It was number two, uh, under Sudden Impact, I think, and huh. above Terms of Endearment. I thought it was a flop. No, mm. I guess not. I had no idea. Um, but yeah, and I don't really have much to say about it. Just that it's it's iconic. I think it's iconic in popular culture, but I don't think it's very iconic for its film merits. Exactly. Um, yeah. Very well. That's what I. That's what I was trying to say. Oh, nice. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. But um, <laughs> it is.
1: Uh, it's actually a Gap movie for me.
2: Oh really? Oh Never fudge. <laughs> Dude. Only
0: I didn't say fudge.
2: <laughs> I'm
1: sorry, man. I didn't know that. Oh, it's not like I didn't know the ending. Right. You didn't know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is I okay. it's not a problem at all. Yeah, yeah. And you it's should... not even in my list. So I, I guess if we consider gap movies, movies we want to see, that's not really a gap movie. Game. Right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'd say key. I did it again, I was maybe. talking about
1: movies with a student today and they uh he called it one of in his top ten.
2: Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it just, it, it the movie just speaks to people. A, cer- a certain group of people, it just speaks to them. And I can't, I can't really take that away from anybody. You know, if it, right, if it speaks to you, then it does. You know, that's, that's fine.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: Matt, you know, our roommate freshman year, Colin, that was like his favorite movie.
0: Oh, yeah, it was, wasn't freshman. it? Yeah. I miss Colin. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: remember when, it, when it was like rising to its height again, like in the early 2000s. Mm hmm.
1: Uh-huh, whatever tiny. So Colin remember? <laughs> 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 He had a twenty
0: four mouse pad. <laughs> uh me and a group of friends,
2: like in junior high, we got together to watch it. And we were like, Oh yeah, we're gonna watch Scarface and we were so excited. And we watched the first half hour, and it's awesome. There's a the chainsaw in the hotel scene, it's really mm-hmm. iconic as well. Uh, and then it just starts to fall off from there. And I think like an hour in, like all of us fell asleep. And
0: it's a two hour and 50 minute movie.
2: It's just shy of three
0: hours. Yeah. Thanks for the invite, by the way, tiny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, think were there. I, I don't know. I was so drunk <laughs> in junior high. Um, but the thing that I remember most about Scarface is actually just, just, uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Um, yeah. It was, it aped it so much and it paid, it paid homage to it so much that that was my, that was my, my level of interest or, or whatever in, uh, in, in Scarface was just through that through that video game. So yeah. right. So yeah, Scarface. Yeah, yeah. So then is it mine next? That's you. Yes, yes sir. Alright. Well uh just so you guys know, here we I'm about to spoil nineteen sixties Psycho. Uh though this is the like least spoiler warranted uh notable death because it is very, very very iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, but 1960 Psycho, it's, it's the character of Marion Crane played by Janet Lee. Uh, she arrives at a hotel, the Bates Motel and she gets murdered. Um, if you haven't seen it, goes, Mike, you haven't seen the original, have you?
1: Uh, you know, I saw like most of it and then my plan period ended. So I had to turn it off.
0: Ah, Uh, okay. So anyway, so this movie it, I, it's fantastic I, by the way oh yeah I,
1: every minute of it i I saw was fantastic
0: yeah i I absolutely love this movie it's and it's cultural <sighs> it's its impact is so present um and it's so unique in that it this was like one of the first movies where um where a character is just killed off. Just like, this is the focal character. Marion Crane, it's, it's set up. The entire first act is her stealing money, going on the run. And then she ends up at this motel where she just ends up getting just murdered just for no reason other than this guy's psychotic. Um, And it's just such a notable death because obviously it's just iconic. The, 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 the shower scene is just, it's something that everyone knows about. But what's really interesting to me is that this movie like Alfred Hitchcock, like he did, he like he went to, through very measured lengths to not let it get spoiled. Like he basically, um, there were signs posted up, like promotional signs, all around theaters saying like Don't tell anyone about the first twenty minutes of this movie." And I think that he had like a like a kind of a newsreel kind of thing or like a like a uh, an advertisement kind of thing played before each movie, saying like Don't tell them the secrets of Psycho and all that. Yeah. And it's because of that opening kill, and uh, or not opening kill, but that midway through kill, basically, um, and then also just the whole spoil the the whole end of the movie with with the reveal of of um, um, Norman Bates, uh, his true mm-hmm. nature. But it's just, I, I love this movie, and and I still find it still holds up. The the kill still really really holds up, um, and I haven't seen the remake, but um, I've seen clips from it, and I'm I'm not a fan. So what do you guys think of Psycho? Tiny. It's awesome.
2: Nice. <laughs> Can I see it? No. Uh, yeah, this, this movie is one of those, like, you have to see it. Mm-hmm. I don't even care if you don't like movies. Like, if you're not really a movie person and you just, you only go to the theater when Adam Sandler takes a crap on film, uh, you need to see this movie. It's just, it's such an interesting example of, of filmmaking, because cause Hitchcock would do so many things where... He would do things you're not supposed to do, but he would do them amazingly, wonderfully, brilliantly great. Like... But like you mentioned, the halfway through the movie, there's this, there's this whole narrative shift. Mm-hmm. You think it's about this woman trying to escape who st- stole money from her boss. Is that what it was? Yeah, she stole money from her boss, and and I haven't, yeah. seen, the, I haven't seen the movie since high school. Oh, really? Yeah, it's been so long. Um, it's so good. So you think it's about this woman trying to escape, but it really turns into this guy who's a serial killer. <laughs> and it's like, what the what? You know, like you don't even know what what's going on. It's it's just such a brilliantly constructed movie, um, and, and of course that involves the main character being killed off and you basically switch to this whole new main character
0: yeah, and this whole new star story arc too. Cause right. in Marion Crane, what's, what's great about it is that she has, she has a full, a full arc. Like she goes from stealing the money to, to like trying to get away from it. And then she comes to this point of realization where she's like, okay, well I need to go back and return the money and all that. She needs to settle everything out and everything like that. Um, so she goes through this entire arc and then it just shifts to just her boyfriend and uh, her, I think it's her sister um, that are going on this adventure to try to find, to try to find her. And it's just, it's something that like only someone that was really, really talented could really pull off that well and make it such an iconic movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And it hinges on this death scene. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which is incredible. Yeah. Very good. good. Yep. So that's psycho. Uh, Mike, what do you got next?
1: Um, I'm kind of, it's, it's kind of really coming off of yours. Um, I'm going to talk about the, you said accidentally opening scene of Psycho. I'm going to talk about the opening scene of Scream. Nice.
2: Sweet. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Uh,
1: and we have talked about this ad nauseum on here. Mm. Everybody knows Scream is the reason why Matt loves movies the way he does. Oh, it's yes. an incredibly influential movie uh, to me. But um, what I love so much about this this death in particular is first of all, the obvious thing, how it it's also iconic, not as iconic as the psycho kill, but um, in the cadre of amazing deaths in movies, it's, it's certainly up there. Um, It's a top 10 most important, Um, but more than that, even after the first time, second time, several viewings, it's still shocking. Um, And I, I think because, the movie is a comedy and Kevin Williams says it's a comedy that just happens to be scary. Um, that we forget at times how scary it can be, especially that first time we saw it, how scary it was and really how, how kind of gruesome it is that you see, uh, Drew Barrymore's rubber insides. Um, but you do. And, and I almost forget every time I see it, how, how much of that death you see. And it's, and it's pretty crazy, pretty impactful. But, um, Just the whole, the whole scene for me is pretty creepy. I remember the first time I saw it in its entirety, actually Matt was once, when we lived together freshman year, you know, and, uh, it was, it was chilling. I remember my heart was racing the first time and it's Scream. It's a movie that people laugh at and laugh about. Um, and it's still people, people still talk about it. It's been copied since and it, and it copied Psycho. So it's, it's, it's iconic and deservedly so.
0: Oh yeah, and it's so it's so effective. Even if you're not scared by it, like just like if you're not like jump scared by it or anything, just the way that it builds tension with with uh, with the uh, the juxtaposition of the phone call going yes. through with the popcorn popping is just so so intense, and it, it really drives the how 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 it shifts from being kind of this comical kind of like flirty phone call to just this terrifying end of this girl (laughs) yeah um i just think it's 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 really really well done even to this day it's one of the best um openings for a horror movie that i've seen absolutely agree and
2: i'm i'm the probably the least lowest fan of the three of us of this movie Mm -hmm. but i still love the movie a lot i think it's fantastic and this scene in particular matt mentioned the tension uh the, the the build to it is as good as anything else in the whole horror genre. I am in my opinion anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just the way that it's structured is so brilliant. It just, it, it's, it's literally like going up the side of a mountain with the tension and then just everything to from all the way down to the way that the house is laid out. Like right now I could draw you a floor plan of the first house, the, the first floor of that house, just the way that it's laid <laughs> out. There's the, the, the French uh-huh. doors that go to mm-hmm. the backyard where the pool is, where the boyfriend is set up in the chair. And then there's the big, huge wraparound porch on the front. It's just, it's just a perfect construction for that scene to play out. Um, the way that the kitchen's laid out, there's a huge island in the middle. It's just perfect. I, I it's just a perfectly constructed scene for
0: this, this type of death. It was really brilliant in, from a filmmaking perspective and from a marketing perspective because Drew Barrymore was a big Drew name Barrymore at the time. Yeah, yeah, was it? yeah. yeah. and it, and they killed her off in the first scene, and it was marketed that she would be. Uh, she would be a big point of the movie. Right. Um, it's just, it's just brilliant to me. And it's actually something tiny that uh, Sean Ryan and, and FX mimicked with the, the pilot of the shield. Yeah. Uh, Cause they had the, the character that gets killed in the shield and had him focused in the, in the previous spoiler alert again. Well, yeah. Well, you, they don't know what character it is. Yeah. True. Um So, <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. Scream is just incredible. And it's something that the opening scenes of the subsequent movies just couldn't really, couldn't really get on that level um no try they as they might.
1: yeah 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 um great
2: movie oh yeah great scene tiny yes uh my numero dos is american history x um obviously big sp- excuse me big spoiler for this uh this is the climactic scene of the film someone dies um so if you've never if you have not seen American History X, please shut this off right now and go watch that movie first of all and then come back cuz that movie is probably in my top 20 favorite of all time. Nice. Um which is a terrible mess of a list I have constructed <laughs> in my mind only that doesn't really exist. Um but the movie is phenomenal and and I think um a, a lot of that can be chalked up to the performances. Um everyone focuses on Edward Norton, and they should because it's arguably his best performance. I, I think it's his best, um, and but I, I think I think Edward Furlong deserves a lot more credit. Um, if you have not seen the movie, uh, it is about a pair of brothers. Um, one of them is older, and he commits a. First of mm-hmm. all, he's a neo-Nazi. He's a skinhead, <laughs> um, and he uh, he kind of he commits this act where he kills someone. Talk and about notable deaths. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's very hard. It's, that scene is very hard to watch. Yeah. Uh, that is not the one I'm referring to, but that is also a notable part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, uh, Derek is his name. That's the character played by Edward Norton, goes off to prison, and he sort of imparts this knowledge of this, uh, I wouldn't call it knowledge, I call it ignorance, mm-hmm. uh, to his younger brother, played by Edward Furlong, who also kind of falls in his footsteps and becomes a uh, a skinhead. So um, it all culminates at the end of the movie. Throughout the film, Edward Furlong has been sort of going toe-to-toe with this kid in his school, this black kid in his school who's also in a gang. And uh, it culminates in the end with uh, after Derek, played by Edward Norton, has told his younger brother that their way of life and their way of thinking is incorrect and it's wrong and it's not the right thing to do. Literally, hours later, when he goes to school, he gets gunned down by the black kid that he's been building tension with throughout the movie. Um, and it's just so unbelievably sad. Um, because the characters both go through this up and down. You know, we, we, we see into the past where Derek Vineyard gets all these seeds of racism planted into his mind, and it just, it's just fed by this hate and this need to hate things, and it, it turns into this racism, this, this strong racism that's so powerful leads him to kill someone. Um, And he passes that on to his brother and he's just headed down the same path. And they've, they they both have these epiphanies that what they're doing is wrong. And it's such, it's such a feel good moment. They kind of play it out. Like it's a really great moment when he, he imparts that knowledge to his younger brother that they need to stop what they're doing because it's wrong, just morally and fundamentally wrong. And within hours he gets gunned down for those beliefs that he had. And it's, He's just a kid you know he's like sixteen or seventeen uh it's 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 really sad and it, it I would almost say unfortunately it puts a somber note on the movie, but I think it's a somber note that should be there mm-hmm. I think that should be a sad somber depressing ending um it's you know it it tells you not not all endings are happy sometimes you have to pay the ultimate price for your actions right but it's it's just it's so poignant so well done. Uh, the performances are incredible. It's it's just a really good movie.
0: Yeah, Mike, what do you think of American History X? His
1: yeah, his death says so much in that scene. It's not. It's more than just uh, a tragic twist. Um, yes, it, it's you know it talks about it's it's about gang life. It's about racism is on both sides. It's about what happens when um, something can go so far. It's about. Uh, not just your ideas can keep you safe. It's about so many things, and I think that's what's so memorable about that movie and, and about that death. Um, the first time I saw it, hey, this I guess we've got a theme going on, but the uh, first time I saw it was with Matt, freshman year of college, and I remember being so mad at him at the end of the movie that he suggested <laughs> I watch it because um, I, I had never really been affected by just that depressing of an ending of a movie. Um at least not often and it just it just blew me away and threw me for a loop. And I was so upset and I and I went on this big debate about is it I, I think it's when I learned to like movies that didn't make me happy at the end because it this movie can't make you happy at the end.
0: Right. Right. Unless you really don't like Edward Furlong, <laughs> unless you don't like um, Edward Furlong, yeah.
2: unless you're still salty at him because of how much his voice cracked in T two, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I re- I really like the way that the the way that it's set up and and there's so much like set up and misdirect to leading up to this point of the movie because right. like Tony, you mentioned that, that the that the kid that eventually guns him down uh, is kind of like there's callbacks to him throughout the movie and I think there's like one scene where you see him. But the rest of the movie, unless I'm misremembering, it it starts out with, like, like he's, like he, he's, like they have that little altercation in the bathroom, Mm -hmm. and then the kid says something like, just reference something about bringing the heater, yeah, uh, referring to the gun, right? Um, (laughs) um, So and then anyway, um, and then throughout the rest of the movie, you get like, like scenes where where like a car is kind of driving by the house and 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 uh. Edward Norton the entire time thinks that oh they're coming after him cuz he just got out of prison and 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 he like like the his former gang members know that he's not he's not that way anymore so mm-hmm. so he thinks that they're going after him when it's actually this kid that's about to murder his brother. I think mm-hmm. that's just really well done the way that they juggled that 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 kind of it's a misdirect sort yeah, of. Yeah, that that misdirect is so so well done and and it just it really shocked me. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. It's a shame because yeah. uh, apparently the director, there was an altercation between the director and Edward Norton. Like Edward Norton's notoriously hard to work it's with. The and, editing,
2: he, yeah. al- he always bitches about the final edit of movies. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: and I think he like he wanted to like have like like I think like Edward Norton wanted to have like final, final cut or something yeah. ridiculous like that. Yeah, um, yeah but it, but the final product is just really really yeah really good. Do we know good. in
1: particular what he didn't like?
0: I think there was a, supposed to be a different ending
2: originally. It was the very last scene was supposed to show Derek Vineyard looking in the mirror and shaving his hair off again. That was oh, that was supposed to be the whoa. final scene. And I think it had something to do with that. That was huh. taken out to make it not quite, to make it so you didn't quite slit your wrists.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that would have been awful. I wouldn't have liked that very much. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But yeah, by all rights, that's how that story should end. It should end that way. I mean, 9 times out of 10, that's how that mo- well, 7 times out of 10 that's how that story ends in mm-hmm, real yeah. life, you know. In a movie Him you, shaving his head again? No, uh okay. with, with Edward Furlong di- Oh Okay, dying, yeah. yeah. I was I'm wondering dying. like, uh <laughs> That's what, sorry, that's uh, no, I should have no. clarified, but yeah, that's with Edward Furlong's death, that's how that story really should end. I mean, yeah. that's kind of how it ends in real life, I would think. Right. Um but you know, in movies we're used to the happy ending.
0: And we don't get it in this movie,
2: right? So, right. it's just awesome. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I'm I'm so happy, Mike, that I could affect your movie watching in such a way. Yeah. Without you did. hating me.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. I I understood. I just didn't like it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I understand. Um. Yeah. That brings it back to me. Then. Um. I'm about to spoil Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> a couple people die. <laughs> a couple people. Just, I just mean. A few the worst beach scene ever <laughs> um, not what i was expecting I when i know. thought you it never, would you be didn't a see fun Piranha 3d <laughs> that's true <laughs> no but th- this movie is just so incredible on on a multitude multitude of levels I, I mean it created it it created a tone of filmmaking of of war filmmaking that it, just in in general, like it redefined the way that that filmmakers film war scenes. People tried to capitalize on it for about five or six years after. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and it's it's just and it wasn't glorified, and that was what made it so great. And and one of the, I mean, I mean, you talk like I mentioned with, uh, I mean, like you talk about like movies where fucking everyone dies. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, pretty much the only people that survive out of the core group is, um uh Upham. Upham and uh um Ryan Ryan, Ryan and, and and also the other guy um uh, oh. Edward Burns Oh yeah. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Anyway, um and there I mean this this movie has throughout the progression of it I mean they they're, they're finding they're trying to find this trying to find this uh soldier um you got Vin Diesel in it um <laughs> but and enjoyable that's, that's <laughs> and Vin Diesel. And really an, enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. But and each character kind of goes through this kind of each character that dies has this like moment to shine also, um, kind of a running theme with me. But it's and it's executed so well, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but the movie's climax is them defending this bridge because mm-hmm. uh, they're about to blow the bridge, and they have a they have a bunch of German sh- German soldiers kind of coming down on them, and then they're waiting until the opportune moment to blow this bridge, and all that stuff. You've got just. I mean, it's just it's like a handful of people, like it's a small, very small group of people, and they all get like just you you know slaughtered and everything. And the one notable death that I want to talk about, because and there are many of them, like like the uh, like Barry Pepper's character, his his sniper in the in the in the bell tower. I was like, like that death affected me. Mm -hmm. It it was just I don't know. And I mean, he was such a badass because snipers are inherently really cool in movies. Um, anyway, (laughs) um, but the death I want to talk about is is Melish. Um. In, uh oh wow. Adam Goldberg Adam Goldberg his death oh my god this was like a haunting haunting movie uh, moment for me because he's he has like this like hand-to-hand like like fight with this German uh like he's he's like one of the higher ranking Germans and then in the outfit that it's attacking him and so they're fighting and all that stuff and then he just like he like they set it up early in the movie that he finds uh, Mellish finds this Hitler Youth knife and he has it with him. And then like he he tries to get it, but then, the, like it it's unsettling me just to talk about it. But the German soldier gets it and then he just like just presses it into his chest slowly, and slowly. And there's yeah. like and Upham is or not Upham, but fking Upham was at the bottom of the stairs. Um, <laughs> and Mellish is like saying like no 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 wait whoa 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 wait. And it's it's so just genuine. And then. He just like the the soldiers like telling him like shh shh and like like just saliva's pouring. It's it's such a just unsettling scene and it's yeah, there's no music no and it's it yeah. stuck with me so much and I was just so affected by it. Um, and then of course like you know like I said Jeremy Davies Upham is a coward and that's part of that's his character arc in the movie. But it's it it's just such an intense and and really heartbreaking scene. And and just really sticks with me. Um, mm-hmm. How did you guys feel about Saving Private Ryan? Oh, man. That's a loaded question.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but to to speak on the whole climactic scene of them defending the bridge, that that's one of the things that I just love so much about Steven Spielberg is his dedication to quality. Because I think a lot of filmmakers, when they got to that moment of that kind of story... They they would turn the def, the defense of that bridge into a basically just a um just a collage of scenes essentially it would it would be a, um what am I trying to say it, it would just be a, a quick little thing five minutes long they'd show you little clips from this battle but they would focus mainly on Private Ryan and, mm-hmm. and with Captain Miller yeah. and they they'd focus on that everything else would be kind of ancillary in the background. And it'd be five minutes long, that'd be it. But this is like twenty minutes long. And it's like there's there's 10, 15 minutes of planning before. I'm talking about runtime, not you know, obviously. Right, right. But it's like it's this whole thing. He he dedicated so much, so many resources and time to filming this amazing scene, uh part of the movie, essentially. Uh, it's just it's just so amazing that he doesn't he doesn't cut corners that way. You could say the same thing about Schindler's List when they evacuate the ghetto of Krakow mm-hmm. because that originally i think in the script that was supposed to just be a few minutes of a scene, but it's like 15 minutes long and you see Jeez. you see Oscar Schindler and his i think mistress, I don't think that was his wife, ah. watching from the hilltop and they see all the muzzle flashes from the uh, from the the windows and that's another example of his dedication to Exploring every detail of an event. Um, so that's, that's kind of off topic, but you know, you can't just bring up Saving Private Ryan and just talk about one thing. But, right. but I think that, that's your example of Melish or mellish Melish. Uh, Melish, that's a good example mm-hmm. of a notable death. It's, it's just, just right. the way that that scene goes. Because, yeah. I mean, th- I think a lot of people like that character because he's responsible for a lot of, uh, comedic relief throughout the movie. Yeah. I think a lot of people like, you know, latched onto his character because he was funny and then he was he was what the film needed at different times mm-hmm. um and to see him killed so just so hauntingly and mm-hmm. so so such a hollow death it, just did, it didn't do anything he just he didn't need to die and just, right. it, it was just terrible and it's it's really sad but it's it's such a great part of the movie yeah sorry i took so long mike
1: <laughs> yeah well that's okay it's just i don't really have anything else to say that could be said better than you said it. It's 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 that good. It's all mm-hmm. it's all those things. Um I think one of you guys said the word haunting, which is exactly the word that came to mind when you when you mentioned it.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. And it's disturbing. Uh, yeah. And then obviously I mean another notable death Roman is is uh uh Tom Hanks. Yeah. And but I mean I feel like just the gruesomeness of Melish's death is, is, you know, yeah. takes precedence over. It. Plus, I mean Tom Hanks got to blow up a a tank with a handgun yeah. I mean, the plane blew it up. And, you know, yeah, it's a really cool scene.
2: Anyway, um, a lot of notable deaths in that movie.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's, it's Van Diesel
2: and Giovanni Ribisi's death are both. Yeah. I should have so brought
0: hard. up Gino Giovanni Ribisi's death. Cause man, just when he's screaming for his mom. Oh, yeah. That, oh man. Yeah. And, so that's really, uh, I movie. mean, any of them. That's, oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, see, same Private Ryan. <laughs> 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 Yeah. Who's up next?
1: That's me. Yeah? Go for it, buddy. Uh, Well, I'm going to go a little more lighthearted than that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) A lighthearted death.
1: (laughs) Uh, I'm actually going to talk about many deaths. Several, 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 several deaths. Hmm. Uh, A couple hundred deaths. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Every time Bill Murray's character Phil dies in Groundhog Day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for me, is a notable death, and uh, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's cheating. I I guess I'm just kind of having fun with it. But he absolutely dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie is is it's pretty simple. It's something we've seen several times since. Um, and it's just a really enjoyable movie. I think when people think of Bill Murray, the first thing they think of is Ghostbusters. Uh, but for me, the second thing is definitely Groundhog Day. It's it's one of my favorite movies of all time, and um, he's just hilarious in it. And and I think we don't think about how dark the movie gets at times, um, how often he tries to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember trying to figure out how long he is in um, Punxsutawney and that Harold Ramis on the commentary says something like 10 years. Wow. Um, yeah, but the internet disagrees. And this one guy... Um, counted it to be like 33 years and 350 days. Jeez,
0: holy sh!
1: Wow, is is the most accurate thing. I wonder how he got huh.
2: there. I'm curious.
1: Yeah. yeah, well, he it's a it's a step by step. In fact, we can. Uh, it's on whatculture.com. It's Just how many days does Bill Murray really spend stuck reliving Groundhog Day? Uh, we can put the link in the show notes if you yeah. guys want. But cool. it goes through, um, like each individual time we see. There's kind of a uh an estimate. Of how long it takes to learn how to how to ice sculpture, how long it takes to learn huh. piano um and so he comes up with with just about thirty four years wow, jeez, huh. yeah, which makes it you get why he tries to kill himself so many times, yeah, yeah. it's a really, really dark movie, but I love it.
0: the comedy's so effective, yeah, uh-huh. oh yeah, uh-huh. and when i confession time i i uh just got around to seeing this movie for like the first time like maybe two or three years ago mm-hmm. oh wow yeah and i was really really surprised at how dark it got like as soon as he yeah. started trying to kill himself i was like wow this this is not quite what i expected it was a very pleasant surprise because it does it's just it's really affecting because you're so invested in 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 this character and the in the comedy of it that when it goes takes those dark turns um it just kind of hits you in a in a very specific spot and it really elevates the movie I remember the first time I watched this was
2: also only a few years ago for me. I I can tell you exactly that it was uh, June of 2011. Because um, I watched it when i uh, w- was recovering from having my tonsils taken out ah uh, later that day, one of the <laughs> wounds broke open, and I lost a pint of blood yes. oh. uh, I don't a, mean to laugh, but man it's kind of funny in retrospect it's terrifying hint if you yeah, ever wa- hilarious <laughs> hint if you ever want to get right in at the emergency room show up holding a bowl of blood that's falling yeah. out of your mouth oh. Oh. yep so uh but that's i I remember thinking like I was feeling terrible obviously because I had holes wound holes in the back of my throat. Uh-huh. And I was like I I want to watch something funny. I <laughs> <laughs> watched Groundhog Day. And I was like this 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 is funny but I feel bad. <laughs> um but it I I loved it. Uh it's a great movie. But yeah, it's that, nice. that's a good good bring that's that's a good topic cuz it's kind of unconventional. Well, Thank really you. really unconventional.
0: Oh yeah. But awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, so anything else on Groundhog Day? Nope. Not that I can think of. Nope, nope, nope. Cool. Uh, Tiny. Is this your last one? This
2: is my last one. Sweet. Go yes, uh, my last one is Thelma and Luis, uh-huh. which I saw for the first time like last year, hmm. or maybe this year even. But I've so. still never seen it. Really? Yeah. But you know well, how it ends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's also an iconic death scene. Um, right. The, the two characters who are best friends are being hunted by the police and maybe even the feds by the end. I can't remember. And
1: Uh, it ends for me when Brad Pitt takes his shirt off. I never make it past.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I could be so dirty, Um, but I I won't anyways. uh, Yeah. Brad Pitt's in it, Um, but it ends with, they are cornered uh, against this cliff by a barrage of police cars and helicopters. And instead of turning themselves in, they just decide to drive the car off the edge of the cliff hand in hand and commit suicide. Um, but it's kind of beautiful really because uh, the context is, is this uh, Gina Davis's character had was sort of naive and was kind of put into this situation where she, where a man tried to rape her mm-hmm. and uh, Susan Saranda defended her and tried to get this guy to leave her alone and get away. And she ends up killing him, shooting him. Uh, it's in self defense, but, you know they kind of make the argument that this was a different time and you know a, a woman shooting a man doesn't look good and she she kind of she kind of rationalizes why they need to run as opposed to just trying to justify this completely justifiable death to the police and it just goes from there and they end up running from the police across multiple states and it just kind of builds on everything and they end up robbing a store and they kind of dig themselves deeper into a hole Jeez. but you can tell that by the end of the movie these two best friends just had an amazing time together. You know, it was, it was, they were both looking for an escape. They, they were both trying to liberate themselves from kind of this ho-hum life. They had sort of built for this, for themselves. And they do it by going out in this blaze of glory uh, hmm. again to, to reuse that phrase. But um, that's a notable way to go out is in a blaze yeah. of glory. So uh, the, the movies are really great. The performances are phenomenal. Um, it's just a fun movie. I, I don't. I don't think it's a woman's movie just because it, it the two main characters are women. I think it's. I think it can be very easily uh, relatable to a guy because I. I mean, I have friends who I'm really close with, and it's. It's just. It's kind of just about friendship mm-hmm. in the end. So, it's. It's a great movie, and the the the, the death scene is just. It's awesome. Nice. Have I'll you seen wait. it,
1: Mike? No, I've never seen it. Damn. Huh. <laughs>
2: It's a good movie. I, I put it off for so long because I thought it was like a kind of a chick flick, mm-hmm. or, you know, like a movie for women. Obviously not a chick flick, but just kind of a movie for women, so I think maybe that's kind of why I avoided it. I mm-hmm. um, just thought it wasn't really for me, but it's I don't, I don't think it is. I think it's just a great movie.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to circle back and, and, and see it. Yep. I'll have to... Definitely. I can't think of a pun for that. <laughs> anyway. That's probably
1: for the best. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, so that wraps it up for, for the... Um, movie deaths topic doesn't it? I think so, so. yes, sir. <laughs> um, all right, so let's let's do some potpourri then, guys. Um, if this is your first time listening to the episode, uh, potpourri is the section where we talk about whatever we want as long as it smells good. Things we're watching, things we've watched, things that we're looking forward to, news, all that stuff. Um, and I don't have anything for potpourri <laughs> readily <laughs> available. Um, I was going to bring up Agents of Shield I just talked about on the Nerds You're Looking For. Um. Although you know what, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and mention it. Uh, Agents of Shield. I just finished the first season. It's part of what, <laughs> like, I, I really, really liked it. First of all, um, and I was very surprised by that because I watched the first um, five episodes when it aired, and I wasn't really that that crazy about it. But then, I mean, once once it gets going, it really gets going, and it it's really it's really fun, and it really adds a a, a layer to the Marvel Cinematic Universe that kind of kind of um, like a layer of atmosphere, I guess, to it. Um, that's just – it's really enjoyable. And while I was watching it, I got – and I'm shooting myself in the foot here because now it's going to be on record that I'm going to do this. But I'm going to, in the lead-up to Age of uh, Age of Ultron, I'm going to review all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe things. Wow. Um, oh, my. So, yeah, look forward to that. <laughs> Good luck. My, my. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. One thing that I wasn't too crazy about was um, – the characters of Fitz and Simmons they're two science 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 uh, scientist characters they're they're really great characters and the the dynamic between them is really fun and it's very kind of kind of network tv ish but it's it's really it works well in that context of the of the show but mm-hmm. throughout the entire season throughout the entire series they People refer to them as Fitzsimmons, and it just bugs the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: that's bothersome.
0: It's it's pretty it's pretty dumb, but um, but the rest of the the rest of the show is just it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's takes a lot of the wit and humor from like uh like Joss Whedon uh stuff and applies it to to a TV format. Well, obviously he's he's known from TV also, but uh, that kind of that wit and that from from the Avengers is carried over into it I think his brother is like one of the showrunners of the show um so yeah it's it's a lot of fun it's on Netflix I'm wearing a fire firefly t-shirt right now I noticed that and I was going to comment on it but I didn't want to break up the episode (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah Yeah. uh yeah uh Mike what do you got for you want to go next
1: yeah we're recording on Martin Luther King Jr. day yes uh and last Thursday I saw Selma what'd you think of it it was really, really, really fantastic. Nice. Um, it's interesting because <clears throat> we uh, – how do I talk, this, talk about this in, in a sensitive way? Last year gave us 12 Years a Slave, which was a movie about race that still resonates today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I called it the most important movie of the year, and I wasn't the only person, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, was, it was the, it was the best picture winner of last year. Um, and Selma also deals with race. And what's, what's interesting about it, um, is even perhaps more than 12 years a slave, the themes in it resonate today. The whole point of Selma, mm-hmm. uh, is to show that we haven't come as far as, as we think. Um, we've made giant strides thanks to, uh, um, King jr, but um we're we're still not quite there yet, but I ask myself, is this uh is this a best picture? Is this the best picture of the year that I feel the same as I felt uh in terms of sensitivity to race and and kind of what you're supposed to feel about this the way I did about Toby's a slave and i just I just didn't there's a there's a step missing, and I'm not sure what it is. Um I think some of the script is a little slow. The the uh the man who plays Martin Luther King is great during his speeches, but in the quieter moments I I think there's something left to be desired. Uh and I think that might be why he was snubbed. You know, we there's been a lot of um talk about how there the the Oscar nominees this year are very white, noticeably white. Mm-hmm. Uh, white male exclusively
2: um, white, I believe. Yeah.
1: What's that? Exclusively white. Exclusively white. That's yeah. That's what I. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Um. And so, he um, his name slips my mind. But the but the man who plays Martin Luther King Jr. was not nominated, uh, for best actor. Um. And I have yet to see Bradley Cooper in American Sniper. But, um, based on performance, I just I was not blown away by him in Selma. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know, I, I, I kind of get it. The movie, like I said, it resonates and, it, and it's poignant and it's uh, effective and it is exactly what we need to see today. A movie that is about a time period that's 40, 50 years ago from 50 years ago uh, mm-hmm. still resonates today. It's important, but um, as, as a work of um, as a work of art and, and entertainment, it, it just didn't hit home the way I think a best picture should.
2: His Name is David A. Oyelowo. Yeah, that's the one. I I couldn't pronounce his last name. Something like I don't know if that's right, but it's something right. like that.
0: Yeah, um, he played he played the teacher in Interstellar. Yeah. Um. Anyway, he, yeah, and I haven't seen the movie or anything, but to speak to the kind of outcry about the lack of minorities in the in the nominees, I mean, uh, I I don't. It, it's I mean, obviously, we can't comment on it with any like. I mean we're three white guys talking about, talking yeah. about movies but mm-hmm. it just it kind of doesn't bother me but it's like all right well i mean if he didn't if 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 a performance didn't didn't garner the um esteem of the academy voters which i i mean at at the end of the day it means absolutely nothing just mm-hmm. the academy awards are trash anyway uh right. check out our academy award nomination showcase here in a month <laughs> but um yeah. anyway um but I mean it's it's just sets like okay well uh, I don't I don't know how to say it exactly but it's like are, are, should should the should performances be judged based on the ethnicity of the people performing it or should it be should it be uh judged by the in by the integrity of the performance Exactly um I don't I just I mean I don't get the outcry I don't think there should be an outcry like sure Well okay. here's
1: here's the outcry the outcry okay. is is it's directed in the wrong direction, right? It's mm-hmm. it's directed toward the Academy. Um, and as much as we dislike the Academy, the Academy was doing their jobs. The outcry, the problem, um, and this is a problem, is that there are not good roles for people of color and mm-hmm. women. Yeah. That's a problem. True. Right? Sure. And that is a problem.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's there are two possibilities, and they are both very possible either the academy is just kind of prejudiced mm-hmm. or they legitimately just did not think that it just so happened they didn't think that any of the performances that happened to be portrayed by people of color were worthy of a nomination hmm. you know and that's not that's not racism that's not prejudice that's just an opinion on art right and so both of those are possible it could be that they're their prejudice and just didn't want to nominate any black people that's a possibility yeah. but which one is more likely i, I think because i mean uh, the last time i think someone said the last time that this happened was mm-hmm. like the late 90s oh wow so I was like you know i i don't know i, I just don't think that's mm-hmm. i don't think it's 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 uh, it's showing racism i think it's i don't think it's showing that they're racist i think it's
0: showing that just kind of happened that way right that, that's, that's my opinion yeah personally i think that there's incredibly prejudice against jake jill yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean you know
2: i can't wait to see the movie though oh i mean I, i'm, I I'm excited it. to see the movie and it's
1: it's very well done it's, i i don't mean to i don't mean to give it a hard time at all right. it's, it's very well done and i and i enjoyed it thoroughly
2: i think was was this past weekend like the opening for the wide release of it
1: yeah it was yeah yeah.
2: so i had a chance um
1: and i it was cool because when it was over i felt like i learned something i mean we we all know about martin luther king and um but like to see the way he comes into the town of selma with his game plan is is impressive and and you see um how his whole the civil rights movement that he kicked off and his part of it was not By chance, and we know that he fought hard for it, but it was cool to see how calculated it was. Um, there's a scene where he, where he comes into town early on and he meets, um, some, some freedom fighters that are already in the town of Selma and they're kind of apprehensive to him being there. And he comes in and it's almost like a war room scene, like they're planning this, this peaceful war. And it's, Hmm. it's pretty impressive. Again, not the movie, but what, uh, Dr. King did.
0: The historical context.
1: The historical context.
0: Exactly. Okay. Nice. nice.
2: Cool. Yeah. Uh, tiny. Uh, I have a similar topic. Wow. Well, it's similar in that it's Oscar <laughs> time, and I saw okay. a movie that's nominated for Oscars. Nice. And I, I, none of us saw it before we talked about our uh, end of the year right. episode. I saw the movie uh, The Imitation Game nice. over so the weekend. Nice. Uh, it is... Really good. Really? Loved it. I've heard yeah. mixed things, but go ahead. I thought it was really good. I think there are certainly flaws in it. Um Benedict Cumberbatch, favorite actor. Awesome. Love <laughs> him. I don't know. I don't think he was better than Eddie Redmayne. Okay. Um, so I, I would still... I think he was nominated, wasn't he? Benedict Cumberbatch for best yes. actor? Yes, he was. So yeah, I, I, Eddie Redmayne's still leading the pack, in my opinion. Um but he was still just terrific. I loved uh, Benedict Cumberbatch in it. I loved Kira Knightley. Mark Strong was great. Um, uh, ja- Dancer. What's his first name from Game of Thrones? Charles Dance. Charles Dance. Oh. Charles Dance. Uh, he was great in it. I loved him. He was kind of a adversarial character. Um, the performances were great. Um, and, and similar to what Mike said, just the history of this that I didn't know of this event that mm-hmm. happened... Uh, is just mind-boggling. It it, it it will boggle your mind if you don't know all of the details of this project Enigma, where they cracked mm-hmm. this Enigma machine uh, during World War II. Uh, it is. I did not realize how how big the implications were. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize what all they did with this information, uh, and it kind of blew my mind at the end. It was. So the the facts will blow you away. Okay, uh, And the movie is good also, but it's, uh, it, it tries, it tries to balance two narratives at once, but one of them suffers greatly. It doesn't, it's not addressed as much as, it's not addressed as much until the end. And it, it kind of, it's kind they, they kind of use it as a bookend, but it wasn't presented as one throughout the movie, I guess. Okay. I'm not sure if I'm doing this justice, it's,
1: but... Yeah, it's tough because you don't want to spoil. <laughs> right. right. And, it's, and it sounds like it, but that's okay.
2: Yeah. Uh, they, they try to make this commentary on a civil right that people should have uh, while also telling us the story of how these people had to go through the worst moral decisions that anyone can go through to crack this thing and end, this, end the worst event that's ever happened in human history. Yeah. Um, and they try to balance those two, and I think one of them suffers for it. So it was an imperfect movie, but man, is it really great. I just, I love the performances. The script was really good. Um, it was filmed really well. Uh, just a really good movie. I, I highly recommend everyone. Nice. Everyone sees it.
0: Is that nominated for Best Picture? I don't recall. Because, yes, I, it is. Yeah, because, okay, I'm, th- I'm, I was thinking of, because I know Foxcatcher wasn't, um, right. Yeah, because, um, Another thing I'm going to commit myself to on the blog is I want to review all the best picture nominees. Hmm. So look at that, com. Um Yeah, uh, I'm really excited to see The Imitation Game. Yeah, yeah. Have you I seen it yet, Mike?
1: No, I have not. Okay, we're seeing American Sniper this
0: weekend, and nice.
1: I might I might try to squeeze it in, squeeze in The uh, Imitation Game this this weekend. Very nice. Good. I
0: might yeah. I might try to squeeze in one or two of them this week, like after work. I, I want to write the reviews that I have of the movies i've already seen but Mm. anyway um yeah i thought i had another piece of potpourri um i've been watching the star wars movies yeah yeah and he loves how's that going you know it's funny because again another another uh blog thing i impulse bought the star wars complete saga blu-ray set uh over the weekend, and I've just been going through it and all that stuff. And I'm planning on writing a full review of it on the blog sometime around maybe Thanksgiving so I can have myself some time to really dig into oh it. Oh my God.
2: He's lifting up the sleeve on his. Sh- he has a Star Wars tattoo. <laughs> I don't. He has the rebel it. insignia on his <laughs> left shoulder
0: and slave Leia underneath it. Oh, well, that, that'll have. But, um, <laughs> no, and it's, it's, it's funny because I. Thanksgiving, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, to, for Black Friday and stuff. Um, that's all. That's all. You know, behind the scenes here. But um, <laughs> two things, two th- a, a couple things, kind of struck me I about. Don't, I don't know why Black Friday yeah, and stuff don't, is a thing. Don't, why are you? Wait, what? what
2: Star Wars have to do with Black Friday?
0: Oh, because people are going to start shopping for Halloween or holiday stuff, and they'll be like, Oh, wonder if the like they'll Google like Star Wars or something probably. Oh, know. okay. Yeah, I don't know. But it's really just an excuse for me to go through it because I'm going to have to watch each movie like three times. I think you should post it like the week before, like December tenth because yeah. well, the movie comes out December eighteenth. Well, that's the thing. It's <laughs> one of the things that struck me when I bought it was like, yeah, okay. Like, and I I said this, so I was like, good job, Matt. You just you just spent like ninety bucks on a on a Blu-ray set for movies that you're not really that crazy about, <laughs> that are about to have a resurgence of yearly movies, <laughs> and. Like it says the complete saga and, you know, Disney could just take them and just, they could release the exact same set with the original trilogy Yeah. <laughs> and I would God, just I be, oh God, I would be so, I mean, I would be happy because, you know, I would love to see that. It's like, I, I had like little like sarcastic things while watching the original trilogy the last couple of days. Like, uh, oh God, I wish I could have been, I wish I could have been in the theater to see Boba Fett in A New Hope. <laughs> Um, (laughs) or, or, Uh, you know, (laughs) um, anyway, but I mean, you know, rewatching the original trilogy, man, I, I've, I've, I've been very vocal about how I've not really that, I don't have as strong a connection to it as, as the, as, as everyone my age seems to, um, it didn't define my childhood and didn't, it didn't really spur anything, but my God, these movies, I mean, just watching the first one, I mean. I just—it's so intense how much of an impact it had on film and in on entertainment as a, as a as an entire medium. Um, because I, like I kept thinking, like for some reason I kept thinking, okay, I wonder. I've seen so many movies that are clearly influenced by by Star Wars. Clearly, the filmmaker. Like I've read interviews where people are like, oh yeah, Star Wars was my my thing. In that, that was the thing that spoke to me the most. And I was like. I wonder what would happen if you go back in time and just erase star Wars, <laughs> like yeah, it would fundamentally change the way move, like the, the entire movie industry at, at this time. I, I think like, I mean entire careers would be gone cause they mm-hmm. wouldn't have the inspiration of that and the entire fandom. I mean, it is, it is without question one of the deepest and, and largest fan fandoms in, in entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, and just I, I kept wondering like would something of have filled that void? This filled, did this fill a void or something? But um, as the actual, the actual content in the movies, I, I'm, I'm enjoying them more and more as, as I keep going through the original trilogy or the, the prequel trilogy. Though, Oh, my God, it, <laughs> I was actually kind of excited to watch, the, watch them. I actually kind of was, and then as soon as Jar Jar Binks started speaking, I was like, oh man, if this, ah, it. <laughs> Horrible, just horrible, and I kind of narrowed down why. I think one of the like people talk about how oh yeah, Jar Jar Binks is just an abomination and and incredibly racist and 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 so just stupid, <laughs> and how like all the all the acting is really wooden, all the all the dialogue is just really horrible and stuff. But I think the thing for me in this in this re rewatching it and everything, and I'll probably talk more about it in the in the blog post eventually, um, is that there's no central uh like like group in the prequels like like the original trilogy is is really effective and thrilling because you have han luke and leia throughout the mm-hmm. trilogy and it's it's just a very strong thing to factor on but and chewie racist and chewie and r2d2 and c3po <laughs> but then with the with the prequels it's like you have just origin story origin story and just yeah. uh, just nothing to really origin latch story on that we to didn't need oh yeah right. absolutely so that no one wanted either. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk more about Star Wars as the, as the year goes on. But yeah. I just wanted to just say that I, I bought the Blu-rays and, um, I kind of, kind of put myself into this, uh, into this little project of mine. So welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, anything else? Any, anybody else got anything?
2: Uh, real briefly, okay. I'll hmm. say I'm getting more into TV this year after all the movies right. last year and I'm reading more and stuff. But hmm. I started off with, uh, I watched, I'm in the process of watching the first season of Orange is the New Black. Oh, nice. The original from Netflix. Um, I'll re- I'll report back in a week or two okay. about my thoughts on the first season, but uh, it's going well.
0: It's, it's good. Have you gotten any farther than when we talked about it?
2: I think episode 11, I want to say. Oh, nice. Okay. There's 13 in the first episode. Nice. Or first season. Nice. So,
1: yeah, I'm almost you guys there. guys
0: watching Friends? No. I'm 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 doing it as like my background show basically because I know the show backwards and forwards. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Our we started
1: but... for whatever reason. Well, we started with season 6 because Matt and I decided that season 6 uh was the best season. Mm-hmm. And and watching it again, Matt it is 100% the best
0: season. Oh, yeah. Uh
1: anyway, so we we kind of started there, but also that's what's on Nick at Night. At ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, huh. uh, Eastern, and so we we watched it for about a week, and then like that next week, they started playing the same episodes, and that kind of sucked ah. a little bit. Huh. Wow.
0: Um. Oh yeah, I had another thing. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Uh, I got nothing else about Friends though. Um, I'm kind of bummed that the that the Netflix one is the the um, the syndication airings.
1: Syndication and it's uh letterboxed.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Hmm. So that's a bummer, but it's, you know, it's there just for people to consume. People are loving it. Check out our uh, retrospective. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then the last thing I want to bring up, do you guys have anything else or should I close this out? I'm here done. Do it. Okay. Go well, inside. the last thing is another kind of, kind of inside baseball kind of thing. Um, I've never used that expression before. Um, <laughs> inside baseball. Yeah. You know, here's a, here's inside baseball. Like how, how the, how the sausage is made. Um, there's a new sci-fi series on, on sci-fi network called the expanse, which is an interesting story to me of me, I guess, to me, um, because I, I was at a bookstore and I, i I'm, I'm I bought a book because it looked really cool. It's called uh, *Leviathan Wakes*. It's a sci-fi book about a, a space book, basically. I was like, you know what? I want to get more into sci-fi this year, so I bought that. And it's the first in a series called *The Expanse*. And it was like there was a blurb by George R. R. Martin on it, so I was like, oh yeah, you know, this should be pretty cool turns and i'd only seen that in a second book on the bookshelf at the bookstore so i was like okay well this will be fun to kind of go at my own pace there's only two books out and all that stuff so turns out that there are four books <laughs> and they're all like 500 pages and the fifth one is coming out in june and then sometime this year probably in summer there's going to be this ten ten 10 episode sci-fi series on sci-fi called the expanse that's based on the books and so i'm like Oh man, I need to I need to kind of you know hunker down and read these books and review them on Obsessive Book Nerd and then do episode reviews of the show on uh, Obsessive Viewer. Tiny, you sound excited. Nah, I am actually pretty excited. <laughs> What's up, buddy? The
1: script for Ready Player One, the film, yeah. is done.
2: Ooh.
1: Uh huh. And. Um, Ernest Klein has confirmed that he started working on the sequel to Ready Player One, the book.
2: Whoa.
1: Yeah, dude. Yeah.
0: Who do you know who wrote the script?
1: Uh I don't remember
0: Okay. Just curious. I haven't read the book, but what are who are your dream filmmakers for it, you guys? Edgar Wright to write and direct and produce.
1: Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Nice. I I'm I don't want to be a, a snob, but I, I really don't see this being made well. Mm. Or at least the way I would want it to be made. So I'm I'm gonna say nobody. <laughs> <laughs> nobody would be the best.
2: I think there were <laughs> talks of Christopher Nolan and honestly I'm not sure how much I would like that.
1: Yeah, I don't I, I don't I don't know that Chris Nolan really would really get it, but that's not Chris Nolan's tone.
2: I don't think so. It's too referential for him. Uh huh. Yeah. No comment. Uh,
1: I I read the book
2: recently. I finished it last week. I read it in like four days. Nice and it
1: was amazing, wasn't it? So
0: good. It's only like two or three bucks on, on Kindle, so I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna buy it oh, and, and in. Yeah. You'll
1: you will not regret it.
0: No, I'm I'm all there. I'm yeah. I'm all there. We
1: are we are maybe uh by the way, welcome to the Obsessive Book Nerd Podcast. <laughs> um, we are maybe a year or two too young to really, really get it. Yeah. Um, hmm. to really appreciate everything, but God, it's still so damn good. It is. It nice. is. We're close enough.
2: I couldn't not picture an eighteen-year-old Logan Lerman as the main character. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just—he's awesome.
0: It's interesting because I—I don't know really anything about it at, <laughs> at all. Um, so when when I can carve out some time because I have I have a pretty uh well, like I just said yeah a bunch of books to read but um yeah I'll check it out sweet yeah please do Uh, um yeah well I think that about does it for us yeah um I, I don't I can't remember if I mentioned this at the top, but I had a list of, of announcements, and I don't think I said this one. But uh, Indie PopCon was announced. Yeah, <laughs> um, finally. Yeah, finally. Uh, June twenty sixth, which is is my birthday. Uh, June twenty sixth to twenty eighth, uh, the PopCon is going to be back in Indianapolis, where we have a booth already. Uh, we paid for it last year. Hopefully, we still have it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're we're going to be there, and uh, you'll hear more about it in in the months ahead. But uh, make sure you check it out and see us there if you're in Indianapolis at that time and wish me happy birthday then Um, but not now (laughs) happy birthday Matt happy birthday Tiny Tiny just had a birthday on Friday he
1: did have a birthday
2: thank you
0: yeah Uh, uh, (laughs) happy birthday (laughs)
2: thanks yeah my girlfriend took me to see the imitation game as part (laughs) of my birthday nice
0: nice I let you be on this podcast Um, thank you Matt (laughs) thank you dear leader (laughs) Jesus (laughs) um (laughs) Anyway, so let's wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. Any closing statements, you guys, no, before we throw it up? No, wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one more thing. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, no, thanks for listening, guys. I got nothing else. All right, thanks. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Any other new business before we get cracking on it? Nope. Let's crack it. Nice. Okay, good, because I, I want to get finished early because I need to figure out – I need to find out what's going to happen with these uh, – this clone army. <sighs> Clones. Yeah, we know. I just need to find out if Anakin's going to hold Padme the way that he did on Naboo. I'm sorry you have to watch it. <laughs> why do you, Why are you watching them? Uh, The review. And it's funny. You know, honestly, I'm going to watch all of them multiple, multiple times. Like I said, this is going to be my – this is my Halloween The Complete Collection for this year yeah
1: (laughs) as always loyal listeners thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer Podcast and thank you of course to Loud Like for providing our awesome opening theme music their first EP Uh, their first of a few actually coming out in the next few months check them out Uh, anyway it's called Mistakes We Must Make and features our theme song and Eclipse of Events um, make sure that you rate and review us on iTunes after you listen to this episode. It helps us out a lot, uh, and it gives us the ability to say, hey, people like us. Also, please like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer, and you can follow each of us on Twitter. You can find Matt at obsessive viewer, tiny is obsessive tiny, and me, Mike, I'm at I am Mike White on Twitter. You can also check out the blog at obsessiveviewer.com where all three of us, but mostly Matt, review movies and TV shows and uh, talk about all kinds of things. It's kind of the the written form of this podcast. Um, You can also check out Obsessive Book Nerd, which has book reviews and commentary on the evolving world of reading. And also check out Tiny's The Secular Perspective, which is a podcast exploring the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. Um, if you have any thoughts on the podcast in general or this particular podcast you just listened to or even suggestions for future podcasts, please, please email us individually at Matt, Tiny or Mike at ObsessiveViewer.com. Or you can just email the podcast directly as a whole kind of directed to all three of us at podcast at ObsessiveViewer.com. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.